0: We'll hear argument now, number 93, 1677, the Oklahoma Tax Commission versus Jefferson Lines, Inc. Uh, Mr. Johnston.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Before the Court today is the question of whether the State of Oklahoma may constitutionally impose on the in-state purchaser and require the in-state vendor to collect a sales tax on the purchase of bus transportation sold within the State tax be measured by the full purchase price of the ticket, even though the ultimate destination of the trip, or a portion thereof, uh, is to be traveled beyond the state's borders. The facts of the case are basically very simple. The state of Oklahoma has a general sales tax, which taxes the sale of tangible personal property and certain services, including bus transportation by common carriers. This tax, as most or all common sales taxes, is imposed upon the consumer, is collected by the vendor, It is a percentage of the purchase price, and it's added to that. Uh,
2: Mr. Johnston, does Oklahoma tax the sale in Oklahoma of bus tickets uh, for transportation that Uh, is not at all conducted in the state of Oklahoma, that neither begins nor ends in the state of Oklahoma.
1: The The ticket is
2: purchased there for transportation outside the state. Does Oklahoma tax that?
1: Your Honor, I believe it would if the sale occurs in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's what I asked,
2: assuming the sale occurs there, but none of the transportation.
1: Yes, Your Honor, it would. Under the statute, if the sale occurs in Oklahoma, then the transaction is taxable in Oklahoma.
2: Are are any such sales at issue in this case, do you know?
1: They are not, to my knowledge, Your Honor. Under the uh, stipulations that are in the um, uh, joint appendix beginning at uh, page 3, the uh, intrastate routes and interstate routes that are operated or were operated by Jefferson Mm -hmm. involve The interest type being, of course, totally within the state of Oklahoma, and according to the stipulation, the only uh, sales involved in this case were those which originated in Oklahoma and terminated outside of the state. The
2: stipulation seems inconsistent with something stated in the bankruptcy court opinion. And uh, I just didn't know which one to think was the correct one.
1: uh, My memory of the opinion was that It did uh, recognize that Jefferson sold other types of interstate trips in the state of Oklahoma. For instance, round trips would be one time. The stipulation, I wasn't part of that, but that was the stipulation that is in the record, that these sales, the exact sales in question in this case, were all those which originated in Oklahoma and extended outside the state, or had a destination outside the state. In that respect, Jefferson, while operating Oklahoma and selling its bus trips and selling its bus tickets from various outlets and locations across the state for both intrastate and interstate trips, that is, extending beyond the state's borders, collected sales tax only on those bus tickets which were sold for intrastate trips. Jefferson, of course, had a sales tax permit issued by, as a vendor by the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Tax Commission, and dutifully reported all sales made in Oklahoma, both intrastate and interstate trips. On the sales tax report, however, Jefferson then deducted those sales, which were uh, connected with interstate trips, did not collect or remit sales taxes on those sales, only the net. Jefferson filed for bankruptcy. An office audit by the Tax Commission of Jefferson's uh, sales tax report uh, developed that the interstate trips, the tax was not being collected or remitted, and a claim was filed. Jefferson objected and the bankruptcy court to the claim. The bankruptcy court sustained Jefferson's claim that it violated, that the t- tax on these trips violated the Commerce Clause. Court, of course, analyzed the state tax in view of the four-pronged test of complete auto. Analyzing and realizing that uh, Jefferson is physically present in the state of Oklahoma when it makes all of these bus sales, these ticket sales, and that Jefferson's customers are physically present in the state when the sale is made. The Bankruptcy Court found that this presence satisfied both the uh, nexus requirement of Complete Auto and also established that the state was providing services, uh, both to Jefferson and to its customers in connection with the sales transaction, and therefore the fourth prong was satisfied that the tax was fairly related to services provided by the taxing state. As to the second prong of the Complete Auto test, however, that the tax be fairly apportioned. The court looked at the accepted test of whether or not the tax is internally consistent. That is, whether if every other state enacted the same tax, would there be multiple or double taxation? The court found that there is not, because, of course, a bus ticket can be sold in only one state. As to the second portion, however, the bankruptcy court determined that the tax as it applies to interstate trips was not the, uh, fairly apportioned because the court envisioned that the tax was essentially the same as the tax in a prior case, Central Greyhound versus Lyons versus Mealy. However, in the case before this court today, we are talking about a sales tax, is a tax on the consumer, a taxable transaction is the sale itself and is not the thing that is purchased or the use uh, of the thing purchased. In Central Greyhound...
3: One more background fact. In the, the two bankruptcy proceedings that I think involved another bus company, um, there was a statement that you tax even tickets that were sold outside the state. Was the bankruptcy judge thought that the tax reached transportation of where the ticket was sold out of state? Was that incorrect?
1: I, I, it's incorrect under the law, Your Honor, and, and uh, you're speaking of the Greyhound case, uh, which is an almost identical case which is uh, currently pending in the Fifth Circuit. Uh, the stipulations in that case. Um, were a bit broader than the stipulations. They did not restrict themselves to trips, only to trips originating in Oklahoma and terminating outside insofar as interstate uh, trips are concerned. But the...
3: uh, uh, I'm sorry. Does the tax reach, as the bankruptcy judges seem to think, transportation sold in other states but that occurs in at least in part in Oklahoma?
1: No, Your Honor, it does not. Under the statute and under the Oklahoma Supreme Court decisions, the Oklahoma sales tax is effective and applicable only if the sale occurs in Oklahoma, and in this case, that is, if the trip is sold in Oklahoma, that is, if I go and buy a ticket. I'm not talking about, of course, just the piece of paper, but what the ticket represents. And, of course, in common parlance, uh, one does not buy transportation to New York, one buys a ticket to New York.
3: So this statement, the statute also allows Oklahoma to tax transportation sold in other states which occurs within Oklahoma, that, that's just flat wrong, is that?
1: That's just flat wrong, Your Honor. Under the statute and under the Supreme Court uh, decisions in regard to the Oklahoma sales tax, the sale to be taxable in Oklahoma must occur in Oklahoma. It cannot occur outside the state. It simply doesn't apply. May I ask you if
4: your tax would cover, forget Interstate Commerce and Transportation supposing you bought your Super Bowl tickets in Oklahoma, would, would the tax apply? Uh the being played in some other state?
1: Uh, yes, Your Honor, I believe it would because uh, my memory of the statute is that uh, it does tax admission to places of amusement, and if the uh, sale... Uh, were made in Oklahoma, then it would be taxable in Oklahoma, because uh, as with the Super Bowl ticket or a bus ticket, uh, the way people purchase uh, these services... going back
4: to Justice O'Connor's question, there doesn't have to be any part of the service performed
1: within the state. Not in such circumstances. uh, Where you have uh, certainly physical evidence in the form of the ticket, but legal evidence where the... Service is bought and paid for, and at that point, the purchaser has the right to the service and the right to do with that service as he will. The ticket, for instance, would be a football game or a bus ticket. uh, The purchaser, once they buy and pay for the ticket, they can give it away, they could sell it, Uh, I suppose they could leave it in a will. Uh, In either case, I would also suggest that the ticket doesn't have to be used. The service doesn't have to be enjoyed for the transaction to have occurred and for the transaction to be taxable. In this case, uh, the transportation involved uh, doesn't have to be used. It is not a tax on transportation. And that is the error of the courts below in their reliance upon Central Greyhound Lines versus Mealy because that was a tax on the revenues from trans- uh, transportation. It was tax a gross income tax, on the bus company.
4: So then a travel agent doing business in Oklahoma pays the tax on all the sales it makes, regardless of what the tickets are. In other words, somebody buys tickets from an Oklahoma travel agent for use from going to New York to London or someplace. He'd still pay the tax in Oklahoma. Uh,
1: if it's with regard to transportation, yes, sir, under, under this statute. If the sale occurs there, and it, it would be in that case, as I understand the question, then it would be taxable. Yes, sir.
0: Well, exactly, what is the provision of the Oklahoma tax? Because in the answer to that question, Justice Stevens, you said if it applies to transportation, but then uh, certainly a Super Bowl uh, a t- ticket to admit one to the Super Bowl doesn't deal with transportation. What is the relevant provision of the Oklahoma tax statute? Uh,
1: as, as to transportation, it is, uh, and that's contained in, on pages 2 and 3 of the brief for petitioner, Uh, In Section 1354 of Title 68 of the Oklahoma Statutes is the General Levying Statute, which levies a sales tax of 4%. It is now 4.5% of the gross receipts or gross proceeds of sale of A, tangible personal property, C, transportation for hire to persons by common carriers. I've omitted the rest of that, but it includes... Uh, well, how, how would that, how point would point that point point. Uh, reach tickets to the Super Bowl? In other sections or subsections, uh, rather, of the sales tax statute, the tax is levied on the sale of admission uh, to uh, amusement, uh, sports and amusement places. Uh, I thought I had made that clear, but it is not in this section, in this subsection, but it is within the taxing statute as a specifically enumerated service. The courts below, both the bankruptcy court, or all three of the courts—the bankruptcy court, the district court on appeal, and then the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal—all held that the uh, tax was not fairly apportioned under the external consistency test. All three, however, based their decisions uh, and relied upon the case of Central Greyhounds versus Mealy. As I believe earlier said, this was that case involved a different kind of a tax, a different kind of a taxpayer on a totally different uh, transaction. Uh, the district court, I believe it was, indicated that it found no substantial difference between a sales tax in this case and a gross income tax in the Central Greyhound case.
3: With respect to Central Greyhound, is it your position that if New York had made that tax? a tax on the sale of the ticket, then it would have come out the other way.
1: I believe it would, Your Honor, if it had been a sales tax on the consumer as opposed to an income tax on the uh, on the provider of the service. Then I believe that the focus of the constitutional examination, uh, which looks at the transaction, would be looking at the transaction involving the consumer and his purchase as opposed to the bus company and taxing its revenues from the providing of the service. And that, I believe, is the difference. If it had been a different tax, I believe if it had been a tax similar to this, then the results would have been different. But But as a
2: practical matter, what's the difference? The measure is the same, which is the the sale price of the ticket. It's exactly the
1: same measure. It is, Your Honor. But I believe that uh, under all the precedent, you have to look at the transaction that is being taxed. And in this situation, the transaction is being taxed is the purchase of the service, not the providing of the service, nor the making of money from the providing of the There's service.
5: no separate transaction in Central Greyhound, is it? It's simply the, the moment at which you do the figuring. Instead of saying the tax is due when the ticket is purchased, the tax is due when you add up all your gross income and find out what it is. Isn't that the only difference?
1: I don't believe that there is the only difference. It certainly has that similarity, Your Honor.
5: Is there, was there any other kind of income that went into gross income in Central Greyhound that is uh, in addition to, uh, to, to revenue
1: from the sale of transportation? I'm afraid I'm not, I'm not aware that there was. If there was, I'm not And I'm not,
5: And like the Court below, I'm not sure what the difference is. Then you can see, explain that to me again?
1: Because in Central Greyhound, we are talking about taxing the bus company on its revenues, its gross receipts in that case, not net revenues, but from the providing of providing its own income, the generation of income, in that case, more than one state.
5: Well, is the difference then that in in the case of, of the tax here, the bus company is given an authorization to to add on the tax up front, uh, and uh, and and state it as a tax when it collects it. Uh, as distinct from simply dealing with it as a cost of business and passing it on sub when it figures the price of its
1: ticket. In this case, the best company is not only permitted to do that; it's required. It's a provision. Well, I, I, re- I
5: realize that, but is that then the only distinction between the two? It's it's upfront in one case, and it's a uh, it's a an unstated cost of doing business which increases the cost of the ticket in the other case.
1: I think that's not only correct, Your Honor, but it also is constitutionally significant, because... But that's the
5: only difference. That's what I'm trying that to That's the that.
1: primary difference, yes, sir. As far as the economic uh, result of an income tax for a corporation, of course, it is basically always going to trickle down to its customers in the form of higher prices for whatever the corporation is doing. However, the tax on the corporation's income, even though the ultimate cost of that tax may eventually increase the cost of its services to the customers, Uh, for instance, in the Liggett-Myers case, uh, that does not, according to the court, make that a tax on the customer. And I believe we have... I thought thought Greyhound was
6: a tax on the company. Said Greyhound was, yes, sir. And that this is a tax on the purchaser, not on the company. Yes, sir, that is correct. That's a big difference.
1: That is the difference.
7: Why does that make a difference? I mean, the state state of New York has a big interest, I take it, in the income that its own corporations make. So the connection between New York and its company Greyhound was great. Here, with the sales tax, I guess Oklahoma has far less interest, either in the company or in the trip. So if there's a difference, why
1: does it cut in your favor? Why doesn't it cut against you? The difference is, as far as the Oklahoma's interest, is that Oklahoma is uh, letting a transaction tax on the purchaser in Oklahoma and not on the bus company. That transaction occurs totally within the state of Oklahoma and nowhere else. All
7: right. is, is it the case here? I'm not certain. But suppose I'm in Massachusetts and my son's at school in California, and I think it'd be nice to send him an apple every month. So I get these things in the mail, you do. They'll send Washington apples to California once a month. Can that be taxed in Massachusetts if I buy them apples in Massachusetts? They're Washington apples going to California. I would doubt it. The answer is no. I take it. All right, why is it any different if I buy them a haircut once a month? I mean, suppose I'm in Massachusetts, I think you should get a haircut out at Stanford, so there's a new service, which there ought to be, that they'll give them a haircut once a month. (laughs) I mean, does it make any difference? If you can't tax the apples going from Washington to California, why should you be able to tax the haircut? And if you can't tax the haircut, why can you tax the bus trip? All of those things are bought in Massachusetts.
1: I think that the difference, as it applies to this case, Your Honor, is that uh, in the case of tangible personal property, a sales tax on that, you're taxing the transfer of the title or possession of that personal property. In the question is, is, where does it occur?
7: Yeah, and well, but why should there be a difference, my point is, between the apples and the haircut and the bus trip? They all take place totally outside the state of Massachusetts, but the sales of each take place within. Is there any reason they should be treated differently?
1: Under that uh, situation, Your Honor, yes, I believe there is, because if the sale of the ticket that represents the right to the bus trip on behalf of the customer, if that sale occurs in Massachusetts, according to your example, then the transaction whereby I have purchased and uh, acquire all the rights uh, to the thing that I have purchased, that occurs in Massachusetts. And if Massachusetts has the Oklahoma-type sales tax, then it's taxable there, I submit.
6: Why is that different from the apples? All your rights to the apple are acquired in Massachusetts. I really don't understand the distinction you're drawing on. In fact, I
4: thought you told me earlier that the apple t- transaction would be taxed. I'm sorry, huh? I thought you told me earlier that a comparable transaction to the apple transaction would be subject to the tax. I asked you about a Super Bowl ticket. That's, I don't see the difference between you going to the Super Bowl in Miami and buying and selling apples in Miami.
6: Yeah, I the, think... right to have the,
4: the, the right to have the event take place is purchased in your state.
1: Yes, you are. I made the distinction only between uh, uh, tangible personal property and service to this extent. That is, well settled that for a tangible personal property, you have the delivery of either title or possession, that is, the, and the right to control In the uh, situation of the bus ticket and intangibles, intangible services, then we're talking about the same transaction. It's the same transfer, but it is the right to uh, have and control that service, not necessarily the ultimate enjoyment. For instance, it is not the tax on the eating of the apple or the riding of the bus.
6: You have to make the distinction for personal property because we've held that that the state... uh, uh, where the contract for sale is made uh, cannot impose a sales tax, haven't we? I
1: believe you have, Your Honor. Yes, you have. If
3: that's, Johnson, if that's the only connection... That's the only
6: reason for the distinction I can see.
3: I'm still puzzled by the initial question that Justice O'Connor posed and your answer to it. You do have in the stipulation that here, interstate routes are those which originate in Oklahoma and terminate in a state other than Oklahoma. Yes, ma'am. So, Does that stipulation mean that what we have been talking about, um, a ticket purchased in Oklahoma, but for transportation between states other than Oklahoma, that that is something that the statute purports to reach but that is not at issue in this case?
1: That's correct, Your Honor.
3: So the only sales that are at issue in this case are routes that originate in Oklahoma and terminate someplace else?
1: That is what the stipulation covers, and that's all it covers, Your Honor. I have no doubt uh, that it is possible uh, for the sales that were reported during these periods by Jefferson. Some of them may have been round round trips out of the state and back in. I do not know. The record doesn't reflect it. The only stipulation is what we have before us.
8: What are the case authorities that you can point us to that... Uh, require this distinction between tangible services and the sale of goods or intangible services, rather, and the sale of goods.
1: I I, I take it you're
8: sticking with that distinction so that if Oklahoma tries to tax a sale uh, for goods that are shipped and delivered in other states, the shipment outside of Oklahoma, the delivery outside of Oklahoma, the receipt outside of Oklahoma, but the sale in Oklahoma, I, I take it you say that's not taxable?
1: If, Your Honor, if I understand, this would be, for instance, a sale Uh, in Oklahoma, but for something that occurred totally outside of the Yes, Justice Byers, Apple, hypothetical. Your Honor, uh, under the statute, if under all the circumstances of the case the sale occurred, then I believe that where the service... uh, were employed or enjoyed would not make a difference under the statute. You,
8: that, even if the service were for the delivery of tangible property? I and mean, it's hard to call that a service. The apple hypothetical, are, are you sticking with the answer that that is not taxable? If, a sale were, if I ordered the apple to be delivered from you, you, one state you, to another state? You complete state. the sale in Oklahoma, but the apples are going to be shipped from Washington to California.
1: There is a question in my mind whether in that case, uh, although you're assuming that you complete the sale in Oklahoma, uh, I'm not sure that it would be an Oklahoma sale in that case. The, uh, for instance, in the... Well, why o- is that different
8: from professor Stevens' Super Bowl problem?
1: Because in the Super Bowl problem, as, as the question was posed, the sale was completed, that is, in the state of Oklahoma. Both parties were there, and, and the transfer of the ticket representing the service and giving the right to service was transferred from one to the other in the state of Oklahoma. So as I understood the question, all of the transaction as far as the right to the service occurred within the state of Oklahoma.
8: Well, let's assume the same thing happens with that Apple hypothetical. If the, the deal is made, signs sealed completed in Oklahoma, delivery and receipt to take place outside of Oklahoma, delivery of the goods that are the subject of the sales completed sales contract.
1: The, the cases with which I am familiar uh, do require that there be some sort of delivery at the completion, although the statute requires t- uh, transfer of either title or possession. Is that the McGoldrick, the state.
8: The McGoldrick case? Uh, what are the cases that... The McGoldy that, that you point, uh, can point us to uh, from this court that requires us to make a distinction between services and tangible goods if that 's a distinction. the Mo-
1: McGoldrich case would be one case, Your Honor, because the uh, trans- the uh, agreement was made first, then the coal was mined or at least then it was shipped from a place out of state into New York, and actual physical delivery of the uh, coal to the buying customer was made in New York. So the interstate portion of that delivery uh, the court found to be uh, basically incidental and not violative of interstate commerce. Uh, other cases uh, to which we would point the court's attention and we have in the brief uh, are those situations involving, for instance, airline fuel in Ward Air Canada, Although the fuel was delivered and sold to the airline in the state of Florida, it was actually used primarily out of, out of the state of Florida. The courts, nevertheless, found that it was taxable, certainly for domestic Commerce Clause purposes. There was, of course, the Foreign Commerce Clause additional considerations, uh, and the uh, similar situation in the ITEL containers, uh, where the uh, le- containers leased were used exclusively in foreign commerce, and, of course, we believe that uh, the decision uh, <clears throat> pardon me, in Goldberg versus Sweet involving the telephone calls is very similar uh, to the situation in this case because it, in effect you had a tax there very similar to a sales tax was of an intangible service.
3: What about the court's stress of the credit mechanism that was present in that case and not in this case?
1: I believe because of the uh, circumstances of the nature of that transaction and the statute uh, provided the possibility, as the court noted, although I believe the court said that there was a very, very slight possibility, but a possibility that an interstate telephone call could be subject to tax in two states, but only two states. Uh, And the court then, of course, observed that even if there was that slight possibility, then the credit provision would act to take care to avoid any actual multiple uh, taxation. I believe in this case that where you have the transaction, uh, I don't believe any other state would have nexus to uh, tax the transaction that we're talking about here, and that is the sale.
3: But would have would be able to put a gross receipts tax. On the company.
1: It could. It's and in miles
3: that, in that state.
1: It could. In that, in that event, Your Honor, as I believe most uh, bus companies are entitled to uh, various taxes, certainly income taxes, uh, under the scenario that is adopted by the courts below, uh, if one state taxed the bus company and another state taxed customer, that amounts to multiple taxation, then obviously one of those taxes has to go. And that, I believe, is not... Uh, This is not what the the law says and certainly not what we have today. Most companies, uh, if not all companies, are subject to uh, taxes on their income along with other taxes. This does not, under the Commerce Clause, however, prevent uh, states from taxing their customers when those customers buy products from those companies. I believe that the, the two different types of taxes are not equatable, and therefore in this case we do not have the... Even the Thank you, Mr.
0: Johnston. Your time has expired. Thank you. And Mr. DeRida, we'll hear from you.
9: <coughs> Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. The practical effect of this tax and the express language of the taxing statute are the same. This is a tax on interstate bus transportation. However the state of Oklahoma may attempt to labelize or localize the activity which it seeks to impose its tax. this is a tax on interstate activities which occur far beyond the borders of
6: that state now the law be the same for an income tax on, uh, on the revenues derived from uh, from interstate transportation are they also exempt
9: this court has held that uh, income tax must be fairly apportioned and has dealt with a number of affor- apportionment formula which it requires that income taxes be subjected to. So
6: but, the answer but to the that- the income from, from interstate transportation is not exempt from state taxes, is it?
9: It is not exempt, okay. no.
6: But, but you're saying that, uh, that, the, uh, that a sales tax cannot be imposed on interstate uh, transportation?
9: I am not saying that a sales tax cannot be imposed on interstate transportation. I am simply saying that when it is imposed on interstate transportation, it must follow the precedence of this Court, the complete auto requirement of fair apportionment.
0: But uh, uh, supposing your bus company has a route from Oklahoma City to Dallas, and the the bus fills up in Oklahoma City with gas, enough to take it to Dallas, now, can the, the Oklahoma tax the entirety of that purchase of gas, even though a lot of it is going to be used for transportation in Texas? Yes. The answer to that is yes, because
9: the total delivery of possession of that gas is made within the state of Oklahoma. That's similar to the ITEL case and uh, McGoldrick in a number of cases where this Court, as the state of Oklahoma has said, the delivery of possession... And title, but principally delivery of possession, gives a state the right to impose a tax.
2: Well, what about a a tax on an excise tax on interstate phone calls made from or to an in-state uh, address?
9: And that's similar to what the situation that this court dealt with in Goldberg. Exactly.
2: And what did we hold there?
9: The court held there. Based on the particular and different facts from this one that...
2: Well, didn't we hold that the state could tax
9: those You held that the state calls? could tax that service address. The
2: whole price of the call, including That's- the portion that covered the out-of-state use of the facilities of the telephone company.
9: That is correct.
2: Well, why is this different? Is it any more difficult to... Um, divide up or apportion uh, telephone line charges than highways? The finding
9: of the court in Goldberg, uh, the answer to your question is yes, this case is different than the Goldberg situation. The court in that case made a finding based on the facts that there was an administrative impossibility of apportionment. Here, by contrast, and we say the simple. Well, that rate-
2: strikes me as being insubstantial. I don't see why it's any more difficult there than here. Uh, I would think you have exactly the same thing.
9: I mean, there, there, there were parties to that case that argued that, that it was administratively feasible in Goldberg to apportion the tax between the states, but the court found as part of its decision that it was administratively impossible. Uh, Here we have the contrast where this Court, in a number of situations, uh, has held that it is not only administratively possible, but has approved, judicially, the the apportionment uh, on the basis of mileage. Uh, In fact, in Complete Auto itself, the the Court indicated that it was uh, fairly apportioned because it only applied to transportation within the state of Mississippi. Well,
2: how about uh, Justice Stevens' Super Bowl ticket purchased in Oklahoma?
9: I believe How that, do you
2: apportion there?
9: I believe that that should not be subject to the Oklahoma tax, because uh, assuming that you that you find that the Super Bowl ticket is a, is a service, a performance, then... The place where the service is performed is the place that it, that may that has the jurisdiction to impose a tax. That is what the, by the way, the state of Oklahoma Supreme Court in the Pioneer tele- Telephone case has so held. It is held that the place of delivery of possession is the place where goods may be taxed, but the place of performance is the place that can tax a service. Interestingly, that case plus the tab screen case, which we cite in our brief, are never dealt with by the Commission in their briefs or in its argument before this Court.
4: But don't those cases suggest that maybe this tax should not have been imposed as a matter of state law rather than as a matter of federal constitutional law, if you're relying on the Oklahoma-Supreme Court
9: opinion? We're arguing both... Your Honor.
4: But don't we have to assume, or maybe we don't, I don't know, that, that this tax is properly imposed as a matter of state law? If it, if it isn't, we surely can save ourselves a, a lot of work. You, did you, have you argued that it's not imposed, that it, as a matter of state law, the tax is not collectible? I don't believe
9: we have. We've argued in our brief that the manner in which the state has applied the tax to Jefferson bus lines is inappropriate because they have argued that they can impose their tax on the sale of a ticket, the transaction or the payment, it's not clear, rather than on the delivery of the service, which is the the operating incidence, the object of the tax. And therefore, we have argued that as applied, this is unconstitutional.
3: Mr. DeRuda, one one argument that was made, I think, by the tax commission was that if they were able to tax the customer who is traveling on Oklahoma Road, set up tolls maybe along the road, so they taxed all of the miles within Oklahoma, that they probably net more than they are now when they're taxing only the person who purchased the ticket in Oklahoma. Have you shown that that is not so? That, that, in fact, if they went on your theory of ta- of taxing people who travel the roads in Oklahoma no matter where they begin, no matter where they end, the argument is that the state would collect even more if they did it that way. Have you shown that that 's not so?
9: No, we have not shown that 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 would be a different case. It is not before the court uh, and what they i mean what they 're suggesting is that by applying a use tax in a combination with a sales tax, only to all miles traveled within the state, they're suggesting that they would they would, get equal or more tax than, than they're getting here. That argument, that averaging argument, has not been sustained by this Court. I think this spring in Associated Industries, the argument was made that a use tax, mm-hmm. on average, you know, was fair, but this Court held that that kind of analysis was not appropriate, that you must look at the individual taxpayer. And that is where it is significant that the tax here is imposed upon the individual passenger. Because to say, on average, passengers are not discriminated against or unfairly apportioned does not solve the dilemma of the individual passenger.
8: Under your theory, I take it all sales taxes on rental cars have to be apportioned to the extent the rental car is being driven out of state.
9: If the tax, the answer is yes, assuming the tax is imposed on the delivery of the of the rental itself, as opposed to the situation in I believe it was ITEL where they there was a lease of containers, but they said the tax was imposed on the delivery of possession. If the tax is like I tell, then the answer would be different. But if the tax is imposed on the lease, then you should have an apportionment.
8: And the same if you hire an attorney uh, in one state, but all, all, all of the services really uh, in, involve uh, is or her traveling out of state to, uh, to make a report and a, and a recommendation. If there's a state service tax, that has to be apportioned?
9: That is correct. That is what I do with the state of South Dakota. I allocate my bills to clients that I, sent, that I bill in South Dakota on the portion of the services that I do in Minnesota. You're coming out on
8: that with the state pretty well.
9: <laughs> <laughs> but, but we are required you, But you,
8: you think that constitutionally this is, this is required?
9: Yes. I look at EVCO, Ingraham Richardson, decisions of this court, which dealt with services rendered wholly within one state, and the Court said the tax is properly imposed because all of the services were rendered within a single state. The same thing in complete auto. There just has not been the case that, that at least I'm aware of where you have services rendered across state lines, as you have in this case.
2: Well, except for the telephone calls and Goldberg.
9: Goldberg... As I indicated, administratively impossible there, the court said that there were only two states that could impose the, that had the nexus to impose the tax and and they also said that, that to the extent there was a credit mechanism, there could be no multiple taxation, and therefore in in, dis- in discussing the apportionment aspect of complete auto, the court said that. That the, uh, that the way that telephone calls were made, were, or the way people understood their use of the telephone was consistent with applying a tax on the user in the state. Well,
3: if you,
2: if you say the taxable event is the sale of the ticket, only one state can impose it. Isn't that so? I mean, you don't get the problem of multiple taxation if the taxable event is the sale.
9: I believe that you do. Uh, that by saying that you impose a tax on the sale of the ticket, at bottom what you are saying is that you are imposing a tax on the contract, making of the contract and the making of the payment. In this case, we happen to have a coincidence of the making of the contract and the making of the payment in the State of Oklahoma. But it would be quite simple, I mean, obvious in a different situation. I think Justice Breyer has given us an but example.
2: in this situation, what other state could tax the sale, do you suppose? If the purchase is made in Oklahoma and the payment of the ticket is made in Oklahoma, what other state can tax the sale, in your view?
9: No other state can tax the act of making the sale. However, if the, the, this court has said you must look at the operating incidence of the tax. The operating incidence of this tax is on the measure of the tax. And the measure of the tax is the gross receipts from the total trip. And therefore, our argument is that the, the argument of the state of Oklahoma is too narrow. That That you can't look only at the, the, the actual transaction, but you must look at the operating incidence of the tax, and that is clearly on the total gross receipts, which is not apportioned.
8: And your apportionment formula that you suggest is mileage traveled in each state?
9: The, the determination of an apportionment formula is, in essence, a legislative decision. There is, in this case, to, to, to answer the Goldberg uh, situation, there is, in this Factual situation, an administratively uh, feasible method of apportionment which is judicially sanctioned. And that's what we're saying.
8: Which is mileage?
9: Which is mileage.
8: Well, suppose that a person transfers. uh, He he takes the bus from Oklahoma to St. Louis and then has to transfer and spends a lot of time in in St. Louis. uh, It would be like an airline hub changing to a different bus uh, to go on, say, I don't know, to New Orleans. Uh, couldn't Missouri argue, well, it's not just miles, because there was a hub here and there was a, uh, a bus chain, so we get more of the tax. It's not just mileage. It, it seems to me that, it, that mileage might not be uh, administratively feasible or necessarily fair.
9: I agree in, in a theoretical sense that that is a legislative decision. Uh, we're, we are not, but it's not asking just a the court- legislative
8: decision if we're asking whether or not the apportionment mechanism is available and feasible, because that's what we need uh, to distinguish the Illinois, uh, the Illinois uh, tax on telephone calls.
9: I certainly believe that app- apportionment on the basis of mileage is not only feasible but judicially sanctioned, and it was referenced as such in the Illinois decision, uh, citing Central Greyhound versus Mealy.
3: Mr. DeRuyter, would you explain why it isn't necessary for New York in the Berwin-White situation to take off something because the, because the coal traveled interstate? New York can tax the full value of the sale, although it started someplace else and value was added all along the way. It's the place where it ends up can tax the full value. Why can't, equally with regard to services, the place where it starts out tax the full value? Why such a difference between the treatment of goods on the one hand, where we let the state tax it all at the end, and here a similar thing that the state can lay its hands on, the sale of the ticket, can also tax the whole thing? Why should we treat those differently?
9: We argue that our position is consistent. In the uh, McGoldrick-Berwin-White case, the state is allowed to impose a tax on the full sale price of the delivery of possession of the good. That is the entire object of the transaction. What we are arguing is that applying that same rule to the delivery of services... That the, state is, that the State is entitled to impose a tax on the object of the transaction, which is the delivery of the services where those services occur. And only the portion of those services that occur in the taxing State it, can that State tax.
3: Are you then saying that unlike goods where we let somebody tax the full value, nobody in an interstate sale can tax the full value of the service?
9: No. What I am saying is that the combination of states in which the service is performed in total can tax 100 percent of the value of the service.
3: I don't follow that. Tell me who can tax the full value of a bus trip from Oklahoma to Texas.
9: Assuming... Oklahoma and Texas in combination can tax 100% of the value of that. But
3: New York didn't have to worry about combining with anybody in Berwyn, white It could tax the full value of the sale. I'm asking you, and I think you answered that services, yes, one place could tax the full value of the service, too. But you have answered the concrete example differently. You said two places could, but not one place.
9: I go back to... The what this Court has said in those delivery of goods cases, that the object of the transaction is the delivery of the good.
3: So you're then making a distinction between there isn't one place that can tax in full and in service that's rendered interstate, unlike goods.
9: I agree with that. Okay.
5: Why isn't the object of the transaction in this particular case um, the, the right um, uh, to, uh, to obtain travel services at some future time? Why isn't that transaction just as complete as the transaction when the, when when goods are purchased?
9: Because uh, because when a person purchases a ticket, they don't have the full right to the object of that transaction. But
5: they do. They've
9: got the ticket,
5: uh, and if the bus company won't carry them, uh, they can sue the bus company for damages. I mean, economically, it seems to me, they've got the full value of the transaction, uh, and they're going to realize that value either by traveling or by making the bus company pay. Uh, the, the the distinction, I suppose, is uh, when they buy the coal, the people along the line uh, responsible for getting the coal there uh, no longer have to do anything, whereas in this case, people along the line in the future do have to do something. Either they've got to carry them on the bus or they've got to pay up in some way. Uh, but the fact is, uh, the, the, the right to the service is what he's buying, and I would suppose that right uh, is complete once he pays the money.
9: I, I don't agree with that. I, I believe that the, the delivery of the good cases essentially say that when a purchaser of goods has complete dominion and control on those goods, the transaction is complete. Whereas, in a purchase of a service, the dominion and control of the object of that transaction can never be complete until the passenger completes their their travel. And if that is interrupted in the middle they have a right, you know, they have a right to, uh, to a refund of the portion of the, of the sales tax that, that on the portion of the trip that they didn't complete.
5: Would you agree, then, that if the bus company were selling the tickets in the first place to travel agents, and travel agents were then selling them to the travelers, that at least the, the transaction is between the bus company and the travel agent would be complete at that point, and, and that, would be, that would be fully taxable?
9: I don't believe that's the case. Well, I mean, that isn't
5: the case here, but if that were the case, would that particular transaction, as between the company and the agent, as distinct from the agent and the traveler, uh, even on your theory, be fully taxable without, without apportionment?
9: I don't think so, because the, the travel agent is simply an agent in that situation, you know, either, either for the passenger or for Jefferson Lines, and should not make a difference in how the transaction is taxed the object of the transaction, the object of the tax, and the tax is not laid on the travel agency, but rather it's laid on the passenger, the user of of the service. So I I think the answer is is that it passes through the travel agency.
8: This this may not be a very uh, legally persuasive argument, but um, it it seems to me that um, if... uh, if Oklahoma were right in this case, many many states would have enacted sales taxes where, where none now exist on transportation tickets. Uh, do you agree with that? Uh, I, I mean, I, let me put it this way: I take it this is a unique tax, or am I incorrect? Do many states tax the sale of airline tickets for interstate travel, for I,
9: instance? I, I- I think airline tickets are—Congress uh, has acted in that area, but—
3: There's uh, an anti-head tax, right? I mean, that you can't have a head tax.
9: Right, right.
3: But, but what about other bus companies? Is, is Oklahoma peculiar in, in taxing bus tickets, or do other states do it too?
9: Uh, Jefferson operates on routes that basically go north and south from the state of Minnesota. The only state that we're aware of in that system that imposes a tax on— Bus transportation is the state of Missouri, which imposes a tax applicable only to the on intrastate tickets. In other words, they only impose their tax on a ticket purchased for travel beginning and ending within the state of Missouri, never touching another state. Other than that, there may be two or three other states throughout the country that, that seek to impose a tax uh, on bus transportation.
7: If I, I'm not sure I understand the state of the art on this, but if, if the uh, I start out in Washington, the state of Washington, and I buy a bus ticket and have a crate of apples, and I'm going to New York, and I take it if I eat up the apples on the way, all New York can tax is the two remaining ones that are with me in New York. Is that the state of the law on goods? I've bought the whole thing, by the way, in New York. I mean, is that the state of the law on goods?
9: Yes if, yes, if they were okay. all delivered to Then I New take York. it
7: on services. If that's the state of the law on goods, then I take it on services, it would be the same. That New York could tax me on that portion of the bus trip that takes place in New York, but it couldn't tax me on the portion in Iowa any more than, than on your theory, any more than, than it could tax me on the apples that I ate as I was going through Iowa. Exactly. All right, but then what do you do about the case of the telephone system? Because with the telephones, I could understand that I'm in Illinois, and I phone my brother in New York. And I can easily imagine I got the service of talking to my brother when I was in Illinois. It's as if he's sort of curled up inside the receiver. There's a voice there. I hear it, and so forth. But also, the same thing's happening in New York. So why couldn't you say, well, look, at least New York and Illinois could tax this. So how do we reconcile that case with what our theory was on the bus with the apples? That, that's what I'm having. I mean, we have got, got it all worked out almost, but not quite. <laughs> that, that's... And I,
9: I, can't, I can't answer your question without reference to the Goldberg decision. There, they only imposed the tax on calls charged to a service address in Illinois. So there would not be a tax on a call that was charged to a service address in New York. Mm-hmm. That's the first part of that answer. Secondly, they found, as a matter of fact that it was administratively impossible to allocate, you know, uh, where the service was performed, if, and I I submit, if another case came up, technology has changed that they can allocate that telephone service, then I would argue that telephone case would be similar to the case we have before the court today.
5: Mm -hmm. Why couldn't they simply have said we allocate it 50-50? one person is curled up uh, inside the telephone in Illinois, another one is curled up in New York, Uh, we we, we split them
6: right in half, and each state could... I think... uh, What about the states in between? There's nobody curled up anywhere.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Are we talking buses now or
6: telephones?
9: (laughs) If if, if we're talking telephones, uh, the That's that's similar to a tax that that we cite in our our materials, this this case out of Florida, and that's exactly what they did, and and that might be an appropriate apportionment. What this court held in Goldberg was that the state of Illinois could impose a tax on 100 percent of the the fees charged to a service address in Illinois.
5: And spoke of the problem uh, of the, the difficulty of attribution. Exactly. Yeah, and there doesn't seem to be a difficulty. I mean, it, it, it looks as though there's a very simple way that they might have apportioned. Uh, and, and so the question is, do, do we follow? Uh, do we say, well, if it was tough in, uh, in the phone case, it's equally tough in this case, uh, and say there, there can't be an apportionment? Or do we say we were wrong about apportionment in the first case? It's easy in each instance, and therefore, uh, we, we see it your way here. Which, which way do we go?
9: I've thought about, I've thought about, you know, when I've read Goldberg, my, my view of, of that is simply that no, I don't think the state of Oklahoma argues that apportionment on a mileage basis is difficult or impossible to do. They simply argue it's not relevant in this case. Uh, as opposed to the telephone situation, a, a, as I indicated, Before, If if the facts were different in Goldberg, I think the result might have been different in Goldberg. Uh, And and if you have the technology to allocate to states where there's real nexus to tax in Goldberg, I think you might have a different, uh, my view of it, there would be a different result.
3: You haven't shown that there's any multiple taxation in fact in this case. In other words, that the transportation, say, from Oklahoma to Texas... Texas is not laying a a tax on that customer so that the ticket is being taxed twice.
9: You are correct. We have not shown actual multiple taxation. We suggest that there's a high possibility, particularly once the states read the decision in this case, for other states to impose use taxes or sales taxes with the same language that we have in this case. In other words, the tax here is on the rendering and furnishing of services, they could impose that or a gross receipts tax where a credit mechanism, for example, would not... As long pay. as
4: the tax is imposed on the customer, how could they impose... How could another state, other than the one where the ticket is bought, impose a tax? Charge how could another state I
9: mean, impose a tax on the customer? On
4: the passenger. The passenger. A use tax, for example. How, how, would, how would that work? A use, you get on the bus in Oklahoma City and get off of it in, in Minneapolis. You buy your ticket, you pay the sales tax. How would Minneapolis connect, collect a use tax?
9: Minnesota would simply audit the the tickets purchased uh, outside the state and ask for an allocation on the base assuming
4: mileage and, and impose it on the passenger by doing impose it
9: on the passenger require that the uh, bus company collect the tax. That's typical like use tax, tax. When they
4: get off the bus,
9: I see. Not when they get off the bus. The, the passenger would have it uh, would have it collected by Jefferson, you know, when he bought the ticket in. Oklahoma.
0: But the taxable event in Minneapolis is alighting from the bus?
9: No, the taxable event in Minnesota is is the travel which commences at the Iowa border and concludes at the terminal wherever they get off.
0: So you wouldn't be taxing the full value of the ticket in Minnesota? You would just be ta- taxing an aliquot share based on mileage?
9: That's what I would suggest. However, if Minnesota adopted a sales tax statute identical to the the tax statute before the court, I believe that there's no apportionment. They could impose a tax on the full value.
0: Thank you, Mr. DeRuyter. The case is submitted.